With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Welcome to Get Connected with Nina Del Rio, a weekly conversation about fitness, health, and happenings in our community on 106.7 Light FM. Good morning and thanks for listening to Get Connected. No doubt we all need more sleep. But sleep-deprived teenagers in particular, maybe yours, might seem like a patient from a sleep deprivation study. They fall asleep in class, they forget things, they walk around in a cloud. In their new book, Generation Sleepless, Why Tweens and Teens Aren't Sleeping Enough and How We Can Help Them, authors Heather Turgeon and Julie Wright explain the problems associated with sleep debt as they guide readers to build healthy habits with their families. Thank you for being on the show. Thank you for having us. Thank you. Heather Turgeon and Julie Wright are psychotherapists, sleep specialists, and authors of the popular parenting books, The Happy Sleeper and Now Say This. And as I'm talking about teenagers not getting enough sleep, you know someone's listening saying, my kid sleeps all the time. They're flopped out on the couch. They sleep till noon on the weekends. But maybe that's because their body is trying to make up for being sleep deprived? That's exactly it. We we hear that from parents quite a bit. And we all kind of know that teenagers have this miraculous ability to sleep long, long hours. But the reason they do that, and, you know, when when researchers bring teenagers into the lab to study their sleep, most of them will sleep for 12 hours straight when they're given the opportunity. And that's largely because they are accumulating so much sleep deprivation during the week. The average high schooler is accumulating about two hours of sleep deprivation every night. So, yes, when they're given the chance, they will really they will really go for it because they're missing so much. If they are on a regular schedule, how much does a teen need? And again, you've kind of mentioned it, but how much do they get on average? Parents are often surprised to learn that the optimal amount of sleep for a teen is between 9 and 10 hours, whereas, you know, we identify 8 hours as adequate and by high school, the majority of teenagers are only getting about 6 and a half on school nights. How much does an impact of sleep have on a teenager's health and development? Well, I would say that sleep deprivation is one of the greatest threats to a teenager's mental health. When teenagers are sleep deprived, their risk of depression and anxiety can double. Um, the, The chronic stress that the brain is under Um, and the accumulation of basically what you can think of as toxins in the brain, um, it alters the way that the brain sees the world. It alters the way that kids feel so drastically. So it really, I think mental health, and right now we're seeing that teenagers, especially after the pandemic, are really in a place where they need support with mental health. And sleep deprivation is one of the number one factors that is contributing. One of the anecdotes we heard a lot during the pandemic was that people were actually, in some cases, doing okay because they didn't have to get up as early for the commute, that sort of thing. How did parents and kids sort of manage the pandemic when it comes to sleep? We heard exactly what you just described happened early on in the pandemic as teenagers could just sort of roll over in bed at one minute to nine and 
turn on their Zoom, so they didn't have to get up so early and commute to school. But what happened as the pandemic went on is that teenagers tended to stay up later and later in, at night. They used more technology. They, they didn't come outside and get the cues from the sun rising in the morning or setting at night. So they kind of turned into sort of these like night zombies where their sleep got even worse as the pandemic went on. Mm. Funny thing, there's a certain age as adults where we say, oh, my God, I can't stay up late anymore because I can't recover as quickly as I could when I was young. Are we actually better at rebounding from sleep deprivation when we're younger, or is that something else going on there? Well, a couple things are going on. One is that the brain clock actually changes in adolescence. So adolescence is considered about age 12 to 24. Um, The clock in the brain that controls sleep actually shifts later by about two hours during that period of development. And this is why early start, you know, start times are so, you know, they're so harmful to teenagers because their sleep clock wants to go in the other direction. So that's one thing is that um, teenagers are, are prone to staying up later. They, they naturally want to stay up later and they have a hard time getting up in the morning. And, but I think what you're saying about rebounding and feeling tough, I do think that young people are just like, they tough it out in a way that makes it seem like they're okay. But under the surface, we know from research and brain scan studies and um, cognitive, you know, tests of cognitive function, they're not actually okay. They feel okay because they're tough, but they are suffering. Well, for one uh, maybe example of that, how does sleep loss relate to risk of injury for student athletes? Yes, the research clearly shows that not only do injuries go up, but um, growth goes down and strength training goes down. So um, student athletes and all athletes, we're starting to hear more and more about famous athletes really, you know, prioritizing their sleep. So um, it's really an important factor for sports to, to reduce injury and improve performance. We'll talk about habits of healthy sleep after we remind everybody who we're speaking with. It's Generation Sleepless, the book by Heather Turgeon and Julie Wright, Why Tweens and Teens Aren't Sleeping Enough and How We Can Help Them. You're listening to Get Connected on 106.7 Light FM. I'm Nina Del Rio. So it turns out the regularity of your sleep pattern is just as important as the amount you get. Getting a bedtime, that makes a huge difference. It makes a huge difference. It's such, an, it's such a relieving and, and important thing for, for all people to understand, but especially for teenagers, because regularity is really challenging for them. So what we hear from a lot of parents and teens is, you know, I can sleep in, and I, you know, I, I remember this as a teenager, you could sleep till 11 a.m., no problem, on the weekends. And, you know, parents and teens will say, well, I, I'm, it's better, isn't it, because I'm, I'm filling up on extra sleep, I'm making up for lost sleep. But the brain clock gets very confused by that. So what we in the book and the way we help teenagers kind of split the difference between making up for lost sleep and not throwing off the brain clock um, is to have them wake up within one or two hours on the weekends of when they have to wake up for school during the week. It can be hard to get used to. but um, And then also getting five to ten minutes of sun when you first wake up on the weekends and, and during the week. What does the sun, what does seeing sunlight early in the day help with? Yeah, this is one of the things that's so interesting to learn. When we wake up and are exposed to real sunlight in the morning, it pushes go on our internal clock and it sends signals to our brain to say melatonin go down, you know, cortisol rise. Those are 
Melatonin makes us sleepy. Cortisol wakes us up. So without that early morning real sunlight, we still feel like we're half asleep. So it, it, it does all those things. And the other thing is, is it, it makes it easier to fall asleep at our normal bedtime because our sort of pressure to sleep starts to grow right at that moment. And by the time bedtime comes around, we're ready to fall asleep. On a similar note, at least in my brain, is exercise early better in the day or later in the day? That's, I think the research is a little bit conflicting on that, and maybe because it depends on a person's, you know, internal clock and how you're naturally programmed. But it's it's a good practice to try to wind down at least two hours before you go to bed because sleep chemistry starts about two hours before your actual bedtime. So if you are working out and, you know, running or doing something really active in that time before your bedtime, it will make it harder for your nervous system to wind down. So I think exercise is definitely great for sleep. We know that. Um, But protecting an hour or two before your bedtime is probably good for most people. And that wind down routine, if you're starting at bed an hour before you would normally go to bed, okay, no exercise, maybe no video games or texting. What are some useful things you can do during that time? One of the most useful things you can think about is stimulating sunset in your home because as darkness comes and the lights dim, our bodies release melatonin. So when you combine that sort of dimming, turning off bright overhead lights, if it's winter, closing some blinds and curtains, if it's summer, so that your body starts to get the cues that that darkness is, is coming and night is coming, that helps your body start to release melatonin and helps your body prepare for sleep. And if you combine that with, as we spoke about earlier, a regular bedtime, it's like a double whammy. It makes falling asleep so much easier. Sleep associations, I thought this was really interesting in the book. If we're regularly seeing lights or scrolling before we go to bed, why might we be more likely to wake up in the middle of the night? Yeah, this is something that we really, we have been talking to families with babies and little kids because that's what we specialized in early on. And this is so important for babies and little kids, the sleep association. So the way that you fall asleep at bedtime has such an impact on the way you sleep during the night because we all wake up many times a night. We just don't realize it because we don't, you know, we don't necessarily realize it. But almost every time we come into a light sleep during a sleep cycle, we have the potential to wake all the way up. And if you fall asleep, you know, texting or you fall asleep watching a movie or you fall asleep with a feeling that you, you know, need to know what's going on in the news and you're listening to something, when you come into that light sleep later in the night, you're so much more likely to go, oh, wait a minute, where is it? What happened? I'm not sure. I've got to figure it out. So falling asleep in a, in a state of going to your internal thoughts and not reaching out for an external question or, or, you know, strong emotion makes you able to shut down and sleep all the way through the night. What do you do, though, if you wake up in the middle of the night and you feel wide awake? Yeah, it's such a great question. You know, different people do different things. Some people are successful with using some relaxation exercises or meditation exercises and staying in bed. Some people have a time limit. They'll, they'll do something like that for about 20 minutes, and then they do better if they get up and go into another room and maybe sit and read or do something without a lot of light until they feel sleepy and then climb back into bed. So if that happens to you, it's, it's good to sort of figure out which works best for you. 
As a parent of a teenager, you might not feel like you have a lot of control of your kids' sleep times. You might not even know when they go to bed. And you want them to be independent, but also make good choices. So how do you have conversations about sleep with a teenager and actually get them to hear you? Yeah, that is such a good question. That's, that's really the crux of it, isn't it? Because we're not always going to be around to tell our kids to go to bed. And even if we do tell them to go to bed, as they get to be older teenagers, you know, second half of high school, um, that's not, that's going to backfire. And that's not the way, you know, they're, they're more independent than that. So what we do in the book is we use our therapy skills, our communication skills um, as psychotherapists to lay out ways that parents can talk to their kids about sleep. And what it really comes down to is actually not talking so much as listening. So listening and being a really, you know, giving them a lot of empathy and being a good reflective listener, because what happens when you do that is you help them come to their own conclusions about sleep, because all teenagers like to feel good. So if you can follow the thread of a conversation enough to lead them to the information about how sleep can help them, it's so much better than just, you know, telling them you have to sleep this much and here's why. Because that can really, they, they can really, that can really backfire. So if you're applying that idea to a conversation, say, about smartphones, most every kid has a smartphone. We're not going to get rid of smartphones. How do you help them set limits without setting an edict? How do you sort of make that conversation work? Yeah, like Heather was saying, if you start by listening and you start by being empathic about things that they care about and you you help them come to the conclusion that they would really like to feel better, then you can start to explore ways that perhaps the family can start to make change. You can talk a little bit about your own sleep and the habits that you'd like to change, and you can propose, you know, some family rituals around parking devices in rooms separate than from the bedroom and helping your teenager with the lighting in their room, helping them have a cozy place to sleep that isn't also associated with homework and, and hanging out. So if, you've, if you're part of the team rather than a sort of a nagger, it, it helps enormously um, to, to start to change those habits. We also talk about how to change habits by increasing friction for the things we don't want to do and decreasing friction for the new habits. So, you know, setting an alert to start wind down, setting an alert to park your devices, and then maybe doing some pleasurable things as part of the routine to take the place of the technology. The book is Generation Sleepless, Why Tweens and Teens Aren't Sleeping Enough and How We Can Help Them. Our guests have been authors Heather Turgeon and Julie Wright. Thank you for being on Get Connected. Thank you so much. Thank you. This has been Get Connected with Nina Del Rio on 106.7 Light FM. The views and opinions of our guests do not necessarily reflect the views of the station. If you missed any part of our show or want to share it, visit our website for downloads and podcasts at 1067lightfm.com. Thanks for listening. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at Chabacasino.com. 
Test your luck in the shadowy world of the Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play the Godfather, now at chumpacasino.com. Welcome to the family. VGW Group, no purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. See terms and conditions, 18 plus.